One thing about mama, she is going to make sure that everyone else is taken care of before she even thinks about treating herself. So if you are looking for the perfect gift to make mom feel special this Mother's Day, make sure you check out the Mega Moisture Duo from Osea Malibu because body care is self-care. Since 1996, Osea has been making clean, clinically proven, seaweed-infused skincare. So this Mother's Day, treat mom to the everyday spa experience she deserves. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GSPP at OseaMalibu.com. Plus, you'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code GSPP for 10% off. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You can wish for it or you can work for it. You gotta work for greatness. If you ain't working, you should be working. Let's work. These are the Confessions of a Workaholic. 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 Welcome to Confessions of a Workaholic, where we share the success secrets of fearless female entrepreneurs who are obsessed with success. This is your girl, Corielle. So excited to have you back for another week to get up close and personal with another boss. This episode is brought to you by Work, Pray, Slay Weekend, which returns to ATL October 31st through November 3rd. For details on how you can attend the biggest and best women's weekend of the year, be sure to log on to workprayslay.com. So today we are talking to Maya Elias. Maya is a personal branding strategist that teaches women how to leverage and monetize their skills, expertise, and gifts in an online, in the online space, excuse me. She's helped hundreds of students and clients launch digital content platforms like blogs, challenges, masterclasses, webinars, and courses so they can increase their impact and income. Maya, are you ready to confess? (laughs) Let's do it. Okay, so I always like to start the conversation by asking how you started your career, because I find it so interesting how our passions tend to lead us away from our professions. So what did you actually start out doing? Mm, So, I mean, I actually started out in this industry, the branding industry, when I was 18. It was my first a year in college and I was creating custom MySpace pages for people. So that's how I really got into this. 
Um, in high school, I really enjoyed just making like little fake websites. And of course, I would be on like MySpace and Black Planet and I would, you know, custom create my own pages. And then when somebody offered me money um, during my first year of college, I was like, oh, my gosh, people are actually like paying for custom MySpace pages. So that's how I started, I guess, entrepreneurship, so to speak. I didn't think of it as entrepreneurship at the time. I just thought of it as people paying me to do something that I was already doing for fun and for free. But that was my start into, I guess, the branding industry and entrepreneurship overall. I love that you can literally morph, like, doing something for yourself just because, like, my page is about to be lit. I don't know what y'all doing, but my page is going to be <laughs> and And turning that into a business and then turning that into a, a real-life career. So what was the thing? I know there's, like, obviously a big chunk, a, a huge story between the MySpace and where you are now. But what was, like, that first thing that you did that turned your hustle into a real business? Mm, that's a good question. You know, for me, it's always hard to say that one thing because I think it's it's a multiple of just many small things of just being consistent and having that momentum. Like it was during the MySpace era, I think the one thing was when this guy came to me and, you know, he was representing a bunch of models. So I got paid to design all of their pages. So he was representing a lot of the like VH1 reality stars um, from like, a uh, real chance of love and um, for the love of Ray J and all of those shows. So I was getting consistent clientele through MySpace with that. And then I took a photography course in college and then I started shooting photography for people's brands. And that was interesting. And then I told people I was a web designer, even though I wasn't. <laughs> and then I got, I started getting paid for that and I learned how to create websites on YouTube. So I guess there was many one things I think, what I can say consistently is the fact that I took a risk and the fact that I kept asking for money for what I wanted to do that got me from where I was to where I am now. And that's always how it is. Every time I go to the next level, it's always because of a risk. So I want to talk about that, that not even necessarily the next level, but just the, the transition because my space in the grand scheme of things was short lived. So what was it like when it was time to transition? Like, what was it like when, okay, MySpace, you noticed that MySpace was starting to decline. And I don't even know what came after that black planet or whatever the next thing was. Okay. So how did you transition? Because in the Facebook space, when it first started, nobody was really like paying for Facebook design. So what was that transition like? Because I think so often we run into these obstacles, whether the market changes, the social media platform we, you know, built our audience on changes, um, you know, the algorithm changes. So many things and variables are thrown at us. And it can be scary when you've been doing things this way for so long, you've mastered it, and now you have to be a beginner in a whole new space. So what was that like for you? then and have you had to well I know you've had to experience it again but do you think experiencing it way back then has helped you kind of be able to pivot when right. needed right yeah because I mean obviously when MySpace started dying down and Facebook got heavy face there there is no custom design for Facebook so I think what really helps me is that um when I was doing MySpace, people would come to me also for flyer design for their events that they would promote on MySpace and Facebook. So because I started doing um, flyer designs, 
actually a girl I met on Twitter who I'm still very, very, very close friends with now. We've been friends for 10 years now. She at the time was dating one of the top promoters in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I was living. And so because I had started doing, um, you know, flyer design while I was doing MySpace, she told him about me and I started designing all of his club flyers. So I was getting paid weekly for that. And then a bunch of other club owners and um, party promoters were coming to me for flyer design. So that was was my hustle for a minute too. And I loved it because I was like 19, 20, 21 at the time. And, you know, they would always let me throw parties at their events and me and my friends could get into the 21 and up clubs for free. Cause that was a top priority to me at the time too, you know, being 19. So uh, definitely being able to do the club flyers and also even being able to shoot photography at these events, that was a strong hustle for me as I was phasing out of the MySpace era. So one thing that you mentioned that you consistently did was ask for money. And mm-hmm. I think, and, and you didn't say those exact words, but that's what she was really saying. And right. I think that is a challenge for so many, I'm not even going to say people, I'm going to say women. For so many women, it's a challenge to recognize your worth and then demand that, not even ask for it, but demand it. How do you do it? And what advice can you offer for people who may even be confident in their ish, but when it comes down to it, it's like they can't pull the trigger. What is that thing? Whether, you know, is it like a little personal pep talk? Is it, what is it that keeps you um, cool and confident when you have to, you know, ask for the coin? Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's definitely a couple things, um, especially because obviously my prices are way different now than where they were. But I think the first thing is I was fortunate that somebody offered me money before I asked for it. So it was kind of like, oh, y'all are really out here just giving money. So I, I started out with the confidence to ask because somebody was already offering it to me. Um, so that was great. And then um, And because I was kind of in like a male dominated industry, you know, with like the club promoters and all of that stuff, I saw them making money. I saw them exchanging money, uh, doing business. So it's like, I know y'all have money, so I'm going to ask for what I want. Um, So that gave me the confidence as well. And then another thing that really helped me, even as I started like increasing my prices, is that I can't worry about somebody else's pockets. I can only worry about what I feel like I want to get paid and I have to confidently ask for it. I think a lot of times we're afraid to ask for the money because we either feel like one, we don't deserve it, or we feel like two, the other person doesn't have it. So I have stopped concerning myself with whether or not they have it. And my only concern is if they want to hire me, then they'll pay me what I'm asking. Okay, so this wasn't even on my list, but let me ask you this. Because these people be lying, talking about they don't have any money. Listen, I can literally, I will have, and I'm just throwing this number out there, but 20 women might tell me in one week that they cannot invest in, in whatever. And then I see Miss Bling Miami selling $5,000 Chanel bags, and she sells out in like an hour. And I'm like, you girl, y'all are lying. Y'all are lying. And just... Yeah, these are the same people. Like these are the same people with the same pockets and somehow they scrounged up this money for this bag. So what as a service provider, right? And I think when you are in specific spaces, a lot of people don't necessarily see their value. So they don't see the value in investing in themselves and they don't necessarily know that they can get a return on that investment. So they're much more willing to invest, quote unquote, which is really just spending in this frivolous name brand stuff. 
But how do you, as someone who knows your worth, someone who knows the value you bring, how do you stay confident in what you're offering when these people keep lying about not having the check? (laughs) Right. Because honestly, I don't take it personally. Them not having the money for me is is about them and it has nothing to do with me. So people are going to spend money where they see value, but how they see value doesn't make me more or less valuable. If that makes sense. Right. Like for me, I am, you know, I don't care that much about designer stuff. So you really won't see me in Gucci or Chanel or, you know, whatever's hot, but it doesn't mean those brands aren't valuable. So imagine the owners of those brands thinking, oh, we must not be valuable because Maya's not buying our stuff. It doesn't work like that. So again, we can't concern ourselves with other people's pockets. The only thing we can concern ourselves with is just continuing to position our value. So for the people that are looking for what we're selling, whether it's business coaching, whether it is a purse, whether it is a conference, when they are searching for the thing that we're selling, we're ready and we're positioned for them to say, okay, that's what I want. You're the person that I want to buy business coaching from, or you're the person that I want to buy t-shirts or jewelry from. And those people will invest in you. So I'm only concerned about the people that want what I have. Hmm. That's good. Don't be watching other people's pockets. All right. Okay, so through, let me get back to my questions now. That was a <laughs> okay. Um, so you, you mentioned that, you know, during the beginning of the side hustle, when you were creating the MySpace pages and the flyers, you were in college. Being that you are where you are with your career now, what is your take on college? Like, what are you going to advise your children to do when it comes to college and getting a degree? Mm, that's a great question. Honestly, I think if you're going to be like a lawyer or a doctor or something in the medical field or the engineering field, um, I would advise college. But if you're going to be in a creative space like photography, any type of artistry, any type of marketing, entrepreneurship, and you have the discipline, I would say do it. And Or I would say you can learn it on your own like I did. I YouTubed everything. But I am also very disciplined and I'm a self-starter. So if you're not a self-starter and you don't have the discipline, then you probably need to go ahead and go the college route because they're going to give you the step-by-step and it's going to go slow. But to me, like in industries like marketing and, you know, anything creative or art related, but the time you get out of college, you're already behind because stuff is moving so slow in college. Um, so, and and when I have kids, it's going to depend on what they want to do, but I'm going to make sure that they're set up to move freely. They're not going to have to be confined to what the, to what college is telling them that they need to study, like taking two years of biology, but really what they want to do is, you know, be a film director. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I think for my kids, it's going to be different because I'm preparing to set them up differently. For the average person, I'm going to say it really depends if you're a self-starter or not, because you know how it goes out here. There's people that have graduated from college at this point, and they're taking online courses, but they're not even doing the work. So if you're not a self-starter, then you probably need something as structured as college. That is a really good point. Um, I think so often we like force everybody down the college track, um, at least our generation, because when our parents, or at least when my mom was in high school, they had trade school. It wasn't just college prep. You know, they had aviation, they had cosmetology, they had barbering, they had trades that, you know, they they weren't trying to have like a cookie cutter, one size fits all. And I think that just planning um, is the biggest thing that we can do as pre-moms 
we're pre-moms, Maya. You sure we are pre-moms. Uh, yes. So we're, but, but just having these conversations and, you know, being mindful of the options, I think, um, is definitely going to be beneficial and valuable for our kids because we're not going to try to make them do this one thing to be successful. You have to do this thing, which I think a lot of us, um, you know, experienced, but it's so amazing that we are able to experience the things that we did and see, you know, learn through the experiences of other people and see that there are, you know, so many different ways to get to success. Um, so, so speaking of getting to success, I think, um, you know, of course we all have our own definitions for success, but a lot of us in the past, uh, thought that success just equaled money. And then we get the money or we get the career, you know, that we thought was quote unquote successful and we start feeling unfulfilled. And then we go down the rabbit hole of, okay, God, what did you put me here to do? Like, what is my purpose? Mm -hmm. So for the people listening who haven't been able to pinpoint um, their purpose, and I know you get this question all the time, so you probably got an answer ready for me, but what's your best advice for just figuring out that thing that you were born to do? Mm. I think when it comes to figuring out what we were born to do, well, I think there's kind of two parts to it, right? So I think just in a general sense, we're here to just simply love people and to serve people, period, no matter what. And um, even though I want people to work in their purpose 100% of the time, it's, and sometimes that looks like entrepreneurship, I'm like, you can serve your purpose anywhere you are. You can serve your purpose at your job. You can serve your purpose at the grocery store. You can serve your purpose when you're out to eat with your friends. If you're loving on people and making them feel good and loved and served, that is serving your purpose in general. Now, then when you find out your specific purpose, why you're here on this earth, then you can turn that into something bigger, or you can incorporate your purpose in your career field where you are right now. I think figuring out our very specific purpose, I think our, um, we need to take a look at our experiences and what we've been through. But what I think a lot of uh, what a lot of women do is they downplay their experiences. They downplay their story. They don't think what they've been through is unique. So it's hard for them to figure out what their purpose is. But our purpose comes from our past. So we have to look at what have I been through in the past and how did I overcome it? You have to overcome the trials that you go through. You have to have that breakthrough. You have to understand the lessons that you were supposed to learn. And then you need to help somebody else avoid those trials. That's where I think most of our purpose comes from, either going through something specific and helping somebody avoid it or witnessing somebody go through something and then providing a solution for it. That's what I think purpose comes down to. But with both aspects, whether it's the general aspect or you figure out what your specific one is, it always comes down to serving people with a pure heart. So what about the people who have a million things that they're passionate about? Um, how do they stay laser focused at the time? Like, how do they prioritize what I should actually spend my time doing now? What, what I should invest my resources doing now if I have so many different things that I feel like God is calling me to do? Mm-hmm. Well, first, I think it's understanding that passion and purpose are two different things, right? So I, I feel like purpose is all about who you're meant to serve and how you're going to serve them. Like, what is the result that you're trying to get for these people that you are serving? To me, that's what purpose is. And then passion is just 
the way in which you serve them. Am I serving them through makeup? Am I serving them through speaking? Am I serving them as an author? Am I serving them through, you know, designs? Um, So, you know, our passions can be all over the place, like you said. But for me, what I had to figure out when I transitioned from graphic design and photography and web design to becoming a strategist was what, you know, what passion of mine serves my clients at the highest level? At a certain point in my career, being a web and graphic designer was the best possible way that I could serve my clients. As I got better in strategy and entrepreneurship and business coaching, I had to eliminate the web and graphic design because it wasn't serving my clients at the level that they needed it. At some point, my clients didn't need design for me. They needed strategy so they could make money and take their business further. Before I understood strategy, I was able to help them get those results with design. After I mastered strategy, I got rid of the design and helped them with that. So I have a passion of photography. I have a passion of web design. I have a passion of graphic design. I have a passion of strategy. I choose strategy because that's how I make the highest level of purpose. So if you're trying to figure out what passion you should choose and you're serious about your purpose, you need to see which passion makes the biggest difference. So how do you currently serve your clients as a strategist? Because somebody out there is thinking, yes, Maya, I need you. How do they know, how do they know if you are the right strategist for them or if they're the right client for you? Mm-hmm. So I primarily work with women of faith who are experts or they have years of experience in something and they just need help packaging it. Um, positioning themselves as an expert so they can sell services, programs, or high-end offers. Usually my clients know that we're fit in two ways. They follow, they follow me for a while. They follow my content. They get to know me and my personality through um, Instagram and my newsletter. And then some of them will book a discovery call with me to tell me about their business, and then I'll be able to discern if it's a good fit. So that's simply how I do it. That's why I put out so much content because I want people to be very aware of what I do and I want them to be educated on how I can best serve them. So one thing that people always um, want to ask me about is making consistent income. And I always tell them an answer that they don't want to hear. I always tell them, you know, consistent income comes from putting in consistent work. Even if it's not you doing it, you got to have a system running, you got to have a teammate, like something has to be doing something consistently in order to make consistent income. And I'm sure people ask you this as well, but what's your best advice for people who aren't seeing consistent results or consistent income um, in their business? Mm-hmm. People that aren't making money consistently aren't selling consistently. And that's just flat out what it is. A lot of people want to complain like nobody's buying for me. And then I'm like, well, how often do you promote your stuff? And it'll be once a week, maybe twice a week. I'm pretty much selling every single day. And everybody wants to jump into the game talking about they want to sell passively. Just because the money is coming in passively doesn't mean that you're not constantly selling. So if you want to make money consistently, like Coriel says, you have to put in the work and you have to ask for the money. Because then another thing that people do is they put in the work, but they do all the work that doesn't actually lead to sales. They'll, they'll spend hours writing content. They'll spend hours 
editing photos. They'll spend hours making their Instagram feed look pretty. They'll spend hours making sure that their aesthetic is nice and that their graphics are pretty. None of that stuff leads to money unless you ask for the money. So yes, you do have to put in the work, but you have to put in the work that's going to lead to sales. Oh, child. Somebody needs to book a discovery call. Okay. <laughs> you can do all the work, but if you don't ask for... Seriously, because people out here got whole businesses set up and aren't making a dime because they're not asking for the money. It's literally happening on a no. daily basis. Um, okay, so I got a I got a personal question as a single lady. As single, only meaning unmarried. I'm not right. getting all in your business. <laughs> but as a single lady, do you think dating becomes more difficult the more successful you become? And I'm asking for other people because you and I have already personally had this conversation. But do you think mm-hmm. that dating becomes more difficult, like the and not even more successful in like the more money you make, but in um, the more you evolve and grow, um, you know, whether it's career wise, personally, do you think that right. dating becomes more difficult? Girl, it absolutely does. And I'm glad you said it's not even about the money. It's just there's a certain standard now that people have to meet that the standard wasn't there before. The more successful I get, the higher the standard is. So the longer I stay single, the the harder it is it's going to be for somebody to get me because I'm constantly working on myself. And it's funny because I was, I ran to the grocery store this morning and um, I was getting in my car and there was this guy an older guy actually, you know, in the car next to me. And he was like, you know, Hey, can I ask you a question? I'm like, yeah, Hey, what's up, whatever. And he's complimenting me. And he's like, what does it feel like to just be walking around so pretty all the time? And I'm like, it actually feels good because I work on it every single day. I'm like, this hair is $600. And I'm not telling him this, but I'm thinking about how I'm so intentional about how I show up into the world with my business, with my appearance, with everything, like my hair, my lashes, my brows, my outfits, my body. Like I had just got done training. I think about the money that I pay for my chef so I can eat the right foods. I think about the money that I pay for my trainer so that my body is right. I think about the money I pay for my hair so I look presentable, all of those things. So it's like, I'm constantly putting into myself. When people say investing, yes, you can invest into your business, but I'm also investing in reading books, making sure I look good, making sure I feel good. The more I'm putting into myself, somebody's going to have to show up at the exact same level and the exact same attention that I'm already giving to myself. So yes, the more successful you become, the harder, or I'll say the more challenging it is to meet somebody that's ready to match your drive. It's possible though. It absolutely is possible. It just, now there's more things to look for, so to speak. Mm-hmm. When I was 21 years old, all it's I needed for was you needed to be a dude and you needed to like tequila and that was it. <laughs> it's yes. It gets, it gets harder, but um, I think it gets better. The options get better. They're just fewer. Exactly. Right. And that's fine. It's totally worth it. Cause it's, it's about quality. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So real quick, I don't want to ask you like one life changing book, but like two to three that everybody out there, regardless of their industry, whether they're working on something personal or professional, um, what are like two to three game changing books that they need to add to their reading list? Mm, Okay. Um, I will say the game of life and how to play it is a good book. And the author is, um, Florence something. So yes, yes. 
uh, Florence Shin. So The Game of Life and How to Play It, that's a great book. Another really good book that I like is The Power of the Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy. I think that's an excellent book. And then The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. If you literally just only read those three books and rotated it throughout the year, which is something I'm trying to do, figure out like what are my top 10 to 12 books that I just consistently read, you'll it'll change everything and you just read it every day. There's some books that I have where I'll just crack it open. Like sometimes how you'll just like crack open your Bible, like what scripture do I want for today? I'll find a good book and I'll just crack it open and just read a couple paragraphs and it just shifts my mind for the day. So get those three books and, you know, find your own, you know, three to six books that really change the game for you and just read them consistently. Get your life. I love it. So I'm definitely going to have to check out um, the last two. Florence Gobleshin is thebomb.com. And if you look hard enough, you can find the um, copy of the book that has like four different books inside of one. Mm. So definitely search for that on Amazon. Maya, I have truly enjoyed this conversation. It is long overdue. I know that my ladies, I'm appreciate all of the gems that you have been dropping. Can you please let them know where they can find you online and how they can connect with you on social media? Yes, absolutely. So I am at Maya Elias everywhere. My website is mayaelias.com, but the best place to connect with me definitely is on Instagram at Maya Elias, M-A-Y-A-E-L-I-O-U-S. This has been another game-changing episode of Confessions of a Workaholic, meant to empower and encourage you to get that ass to work. You already have everything you need to get everything you want if you are willing to work. I love you. See you next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.